All right. Well, happy Mother's Day. Today is Mother's Day, and, and uh, today is a day for us to celebrate uh, the work that God has done in the life of mothers. And so happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. We're very thankful uh, for you and, and, what you, and what you do. Um, so happy Mother's Day to you. Today we are in uh, 1 Samuel, so we're taking a break from the book of John, and we are in 1 Samuel this morning, chapter 1, and we'll go a little bit into chapter 2 this morning. Now I've entitled this message, How Can Mothers Persevere? How Can Mothers Persevere? We know that being a mother is not always easy. Uh, It is a job of perseverance. And so how can we do that? Or how can you do that? Not me, I'm not a mother. How can you do that? How can mothers persevere? persevere. Now, 1 Samuel is, is quite a lengthy chapter, uh, 1 Samuel 1, uh, so I'm not going to read it. Uh, we'll read it as we go through, but uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll dive into today's message. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together to hear your word. Uh, and Lord, we just ask today that, that those who are mothers, that they would be They would be strengthened. They would be encouraged. They would find hope in you today as we walk through this text. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our boys, they've been playing soccer for several years now. And and while they are two years apart, they are not close enough to be on the same team. Almost, but but not close enough to be there. Which means that that most of the time when they play soccer, they are not on, they're not playing at the same time. Um, And a lot of times they are not playing at the same field, at least when we lived in Decatur. We haven't really started playing soccer here in Red Oak yet. We, we attempted, we had a, had a practice or two, but then the coronavirus hit and so everything shut down. But, but when we were in Decatur, we played in the city league there and, and that meant that we had to play the different cities that were right around us. And, and they weren't really far from us, maybe 15, 20 minutes away, but, but that's what we had to do. So we would, w- w- these boys, they, they, would, they would be playing on different teams and oftentimes they would play in different locations, almost every Saturday, uh, at least at, at different times if it wasn't in the same location. So what that ended up being is, is Jen and I conquering, or Jen and I dividing and conquering on Saturday mornings. And other than battling our kids to, to get to the games, uh, at first, we, we really had to battle them to even play. Uh, I remember the, the very first year that Bryson played, I was his soccer coach. And I didn't necessarily volunteer for this. I ended up being the, the assistant coach. And then the, the head coach had decided like two games in that he was going to quit. And so I ended up having to take the head coach spot, which meant that, you know, I had to be there every single time there was a game. And my son decided that he didn't really want to play that year. And he stood on the sidelines crying the entire time. But I couldn't stand there and console him. I couldn't just say, hey, we're, we're, we're done with all of this. Maybe we'll try again next year. I was the coach of the team. And I had to be out there on the field coaching all those other kids that played on our team. You see, it's tempting at times to let our kids quit. It's tempting at times to say, you know, we, we will try again next season. And we know that's not what's best for them, though. Even if, even if they never become soccer players, even if they never play, you know, beyond that one season, if they decide, hey, I, I hate this and I'm, I'm going to go and do something else next year, we must continue to 
press on. We must, we must help them to press on because we know that, that playing sports is character shaping. You know, it teaches them important life lessons. It teaches them how to play well with others. It teaches them how to be a good team player. It teaches them how to accept loss well. It teaches them how to win well. It also teaches them how to persevere even when, you know, they don't want to. And parents know that all too well. Parenting is a lesson in perseverance. We not only learn that when it comes to team sports, but, but we're learning that recently in this whole pandemic, right? I mean, homeschooling, I don't know about you guys, but, but homeschooling in our house has been a major challenge. Now, I'm thankful that my wife is there and, and she is doing an amazing job with that, but, but it has its challenges day in and day out. I, I tell my kids, I'm like, if you acted like this in school, man, you wouldn't be able to do anything. I know that they don't act the same way that they act at home when they're in school. And I can see that. We get on a Zoom call with uh, their class, you know, once a week. And, and man, Camden is a different kid on that Zoom call. I know he's a different kid when he goes to school, but, but when, he, when he starts in the morning, whew, man, the gloves come on, come off. And he's ready to do battle with us. No matter what we say, he doesn't want to do it. And so homeschooling is a lesson in perseverance, and we are learning that right now. But we know, we know that we must persevere. We know that we must keep at it. And that includes both parents, not just mothers. But, but today, today is Mother's Day. And, and so we're going to explore how can mothers persevere. Now, I know for some of you that, that Mother's Day is, is not an easy day to celebrate. Maybe, maybe like you know, myself, you, you have lost your mom and, and she is, she's passed away. Or, or maybe you've become a mother by accident. Or maybe it's biologically impossible for you to become a mother. And that's all that, that you want. And Mother's Day is just a day that reminds you of that. Or maybe for some of you, you, you think about your mother and, and there, is, there is absolutely nothing that you would like to celebrate about your mom. And still for others, motherhood, even under the, the very best of circumstances, is, is less than a bed of roses. You know, taking some liberties with poet William Bush's words, he says, to become a mother is not so difficult. On the other hand, being a mother is very much so. I mean, that is so true. It is, it is easy to become a mother at times, but it is hard to actually be one. The daily struggles are real, and they test our patience and perseverance. And so how, how do you persevere as a mother? Now, obviously, I, I'm not a mother. Let's at least hope that that is the case. Obviously, I'm not a mother, so, so I cannot tell you that from personal experience, but but you haven't come here to hear my personal experience. You haven't come here to hear my opinion. You've come here to hear from God's Word, and that's, that's where we are to turn. That's, that's where we should look each and every single day. We should look to God's Word to guide us, and that's what God's Word does. And as I look to God's Word for guidance on, on this particular issue, and when I want to talk to mothers, uh, I came across the story of Hannah. Her story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and, and I believe that that story provides us with some insight into how mothers can persevere. And so with that in mind, let's look at the text. Let's look and see what it says. And as we do, we see first that mothers can persevere by putting their trust in the Lord. Mothers can persevere by putting their trust 
in the Lord. Like many of the families in the Bible, Hannah's family was not perfect. So let's look at verse 1. He says, Elkanah had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penanai. Penanai had children, but Hannah had no children. <clears throat> now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons Eli of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penanai, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And a rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so right from the start, we, we are introduced to this interesting family dynamic. Elkanah, you know, who is Hannah's husband, not only had one wife, but he had two wives. Now, I point this out to say that, that Hannah is not in the perfect marriage. We, we learn here, yes, Elkanah does love Hannah. Despite the fact that he ha, she has given her, him children, Elkanah loves Hannah. But because of his sin, I mean, it is, it is not acceptable for, for, for man to have two wives. And we, we read about this all throughout biblical history. And, and, and you, you wonder, well, a lot, of different, a lot of different characters in the Bible have two wives. But that has never been God's purpose, right? God's purpose has always, from the beginning, been that, that one man and one woman will be together for life. That is God's purpose. But the Bible is raw. The Bible is, is real. And we see that, that because of man's sin, there's a lot of difficulties. And you look at all the different characters in the Bible who had more than one wife, you would have to say that, that things did not go well within their marriage. And that's the same thing that's happening here with Elkin and, and his marriage. Because of his sin, Hannah his wife experienced a, a lot of pain. I mean, Peninnah, who is the, the other wife, is her rival. She is, she's not her partner. She is not somebody who is there to encourage her. No, no, she is a thorn in Hannah's side. And there is no sign that, that she is going to let up. Peninnah ha, has given Elkanah a, a number of children, but, but Hannah has not produced any. She has been barren their entire marriage, and she desires nothing more than to give Elkanah a child, but, but she has not been able to do that. And every single year that they go up to the feast, she is reminded of this. She is reminded of her barrenness because Peninnah has multiple children, and Peninnah just rubs that in her face. And I'm sure that, that this happens, you know, more than just this one time of year, but, but maybe there's an opportunity for them to kind of stay on opposite ends of the household, if you will, but, but not at this time. They're all traveling together. They all travel to the temple there at Shiloh together to offer a sacrifice, and so they have to come into contact with one another, close contact with one another, and, and Peninnah takes this as an opportunity to, to rub this in. Now, I know a lot of women in our day and age desire to have kids, but, but they can't. And so I know that this is a sensitive subject. I, I certainly do not want to make light of that at all. But in some sense, this, this was much worse in Hannah's day. You see, women, they, they didn't necessarily work outside of the home in Hannah's day. Uh, they, they didn't have careers and things like that that they could focus on that could provide them with worth. It, it, if you could not produce a child you were looked down on in society. You were thought that there was something wrong with you. 
And it didn't matter what you did. It didn't matter how loving you were towards your husband. It didn't matter how well you provided for your family or your husband and those around you. If you could not have a child, you were looked down upon. And this is what Hannah is facing. I mean, I mean children were everything to women back then. That was where you received your worth, right or wrong. And this is exacerbated in this particular situation because Penanai has no problem producing children for Elkanah. I mean, she's producing children left and right for him. But I want you to notice something that not only holds true for Hannah, but for today's mothers as well. It is there in verse 6. We learn that Hannah was barren. Why? Why was Hannah barren? Because the Lord had closed her womb. The Lord had closed her womb. You see, the Lord is the one who gives and the Lord is the one who takes away. He, he is the one who gave Penanai all of those, those children. And he is the one who withheld those children from Hannah. Our God is the all-sovereign God of the universe. What he wills to happen, happens. We may not understand it. We may, we may question it at times, but God has a plan. God is in control and our God is good. Our God is righteous and our God is holy and we can trust him just as Hannah could trust him. As hard as it is, Hannah had to trust that the Lord was doing what is right and what is good and what was according to his will. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Hannah did not have children because the Lord had not opened her womb. Now, mothers, they, they know this all too well, that we must trust that what the Lord is doing is right and, and is good. Things don't always go as planned. And what I, when I say that, I mean, things don't always go as we plan for them to go, right? We, we, we certainly want our life to be perfect. We want everything to be tied up in a little bow and for us never, ever to experience any sort of difficulties in our life at all. So things don't always go as we would plan them, right? Unforeseen circumstances arise in our life all of the time. And for Hannah, and for some like Hannah, that, that is dealing with the difficulty of not being able to have children. For others, it might be raising a special needs child. Still others, it might be finding out that you are pregnant with twins or, or even triplets. And now you've got to go through those sleepless nights of, of raising them. I had a, I had a, classmate in seminary one time and and we were in class in the middle of class and and this guy just just got up and walked out of class and he and he came back in and we knew that that his wife had had just given birth and he was back there and they had had they had had twins and the professor you know it's a pastoral class that I was I was in a pastoral ministries class and and our professor was very pastoral and and so so he asks the guy he says is there anything wrong I mean he just stops his lecture when the guy comes back in and asks is there anything wrong and he says no 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 professor nothing nothing is wrong I'm sorry that I had to get up and leave but but I was about to fall asleep and and I thought that it was rather better for me to leave than than to fall asleep in class you see is he had had twins and and one slept during the day, and the other slept at night. And, and him and his wife had not had any sleep. Now, certainly they didn't plan that. Uh, certainly they didn't desire that to happen, but, but that is what was happening to him. And he had to trust, and his wife had to trust, that that was according to the Lord's plan for their life. There are all kind of things that come up that, that, are, that are unforeseen. And when, the, when these circumstances arise, we've got to trust in God. And maybe it's not, you know, some of these, these life-changing circumstances that happen once or twice, but maybe it's in, in the everyday. 
I mean, you know all too well that, that you spend all of this time, particularly on, on Sundays, and I know that we're not doing this, this now because we're just, you know, at home, hanging out in our pajamas with our coffee, you know, on the couch, and, and that's, that's awesome, you know. Uh, maybe we'll put some couches out here for you guys to continue to do that as well when we come back. But, but I know that it's not happening now, but, but you know, before this time came, you would spend the morning getting your kids up, you would get them ready. You would have, have picked out that perfect outfit for them. You, you've done their hair. You are, you are in there. You're, you're, you're struggling to get yourself ready because you had to spend much extra time getting them ready. And, and you're about to walk out the door. Next thing you know, here comes your kids. They got their sweatpants on and, and some tank top, right? And you're like, I can't believe it. I, I just spent all of this time rushing to get myself ready. And now you have on different clothes and your hair's all messed up. I mean, unforeseen circumstances happen all of the time. Or maybe you think things have been chaotic in your house and things have been crazy. And, and, and your kids, they're, they're playing back in their room so nice. And you're like, yes, I can finally take some time to rest and relax for myself. And, and you say, you know, it's, it's been a while. They've been quiet for a while. Maybe I need to go check on them to make sure that they're still breathing, to make sure things are still going okay. And you, and you walk in their room and... And they turn to you with the permanent marker in their hand and, look, Mom, look what I've drawn for you on our wall. Things happen. Things happen. Or maybe, God forbid, you get that call that you don't want that your child has been an accident. There are all kinds of things that happen in our lives, things that are unforeseen. And when these circumstances arise, you have to do it handed in. You have to place your trust in the Lord. You have to believe that he knows best and you have to rest in his sovereign will. And doing that is the only thing that is going to make those circumstances manageable rather than life crushing. And it's the only thing that's going to allow you to persevere. You know, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Our God is a good and righteous and holy God. And he is a God that we can trust and we must trust him because next we learn that mothers persevere by finding their hope in the Lord. Mothers persevere by finding their hope in the Lord. You see, if you don't, if you don't trust the Lord, if you don't believe that, that he is good and right and holy, if you don't trust that he has your best interest in mind, if you don't trust that he is working all things together for good, you will not be able to hope in the Lord. And so you must trust in the Lord in order to, to find your hope in the Lord. And we are all looking for hope. And we already know that Penn and I had, had provoked Hannah year after year when they went up to the sacrifice. But, but what we don't know yet is, is how did this affect Hannah? I mean, did she just take it in stride? Uh, what? Did it get her down? How did this affect Hannah? Well, let's look at the text beginning in verse 6. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. And here's the key. Here's how it affected her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And so this time, you know, it, it drastically uh, affected Hannah. So much so that, that every time they would go up to the house of the Lord, and particularly at least this time, she, she would weep. She would not eat. 
And I would imagine that this is not a time that she would look forward to each and every year. She knew what was going to take place. She knew that Penaniah was going to rub it in her face. She knew that she was going to have it out for her at this time. And this would happen every single year. And so here's Hannah. She's weeping. She won't eat. Now, now seeing this Elkanah, he decides, man, I've got I've to comfort my wife. I love my wife. I want things to go, go well for her. Now, let me just say at the outset, before we even read what Elkanah did, men, this is not the best tactic for you to use. Do not, and under any circumstances, file this away in your toolbox of ways in which you might be able to comfort your wife. And wives, if, if your husband pulls this out of the toolbox and uses this, feel free to send them to me. And we will go over this passage again and we will deter- and I will show him in person why this is not the best tactic. So what is Elkanah do? What does he say? Verse 8. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? And this is where we look at, at Elkanah and we say, really? Really, Elkanah? I cannot believe that you have said that to your wife. I cannot believe that you are trying to redirect your wife's hope to yourself. I told you this is not what we are, we are supposed to do. We're not supposed to, to do that for a number of reasons, but, but primarily because we are not supposed to redirect someone else's hope to another worldly thing or another worldly being. Instead, we are supposed to redirect their hope to the Lord. We are to do that because God is the only one who can give us ultimate joy and validation and satisfaction. He is the only one who can provide for our deepest needs. He's the only one who can provide for our deepest longings. He is the only one who can give us purpose and hope in life. And so we should never, under any circumstance, try to redirect someone's hope to ourselves or something else. We are always... We are always to point them to the Lord. That's what we are to do. And it seems that Hannah understood that at least in part because instead of turning to Elkanah, instead of saying, Elkanah, you, you're so right. You're such an amazing husband. I, 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 mean, I don't have any kids, but, but I've got you. You're the man. I love you. Let's go on about life. No, she doesn't do that. That night after dinner, Elkanah went to the temple to pray. And in verse 10, we are privileged to hear her prayer. We're told that, that she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. And so Hannah, Hannah placed her hope in the Lord. She didn't look to Elkanah for validation. No, no, she went to the Lord. She, she placed her hope in the Lord. He was the only one who could change things. He was the only one who could validate and provide her with joy and satisfaction. She knew that, that he was the only one who would not let her down. And so she goes to the Lord and she's vulnerable to him. And she prays to him. You see, w- without fail, your kids are going to let you down. No matter how great they are, no matter what they do, your kids will let you down. Your husband, no matter how great he thinks he is, he will let you down. Your work will let you down. The dinner that you worked hard to make, 
Someone sitting at that table will say, I didn't like it. The house that you worked hard to clean will be dirty in a flash. Right? The garden that you worked hard to cultivate, the things that you work hard to do, if you place your hope in them, those things, those things will let you down and you will fall into deep, dark despair. But the only one who will not let you down is the Lord, which is why mothers must persevere by placing their hope in God. He's the only one who will not let us down. And when you do that, when you place your hope in the Lord, you, like Hannah, will find the strength to, to continue on, to face all of the difficulties that life throws at you, which tells us, thirdly, that mothers persevere by finding their strength in the Lord. You see, as Hannah prayed in the temple that night, a, a strange thing happened to her. Eli, who was the priest, he, he observed Hannah from a distance, and he, and he observed her talking to herself, and, and he approached her, and, and he actually accuses Hannah of being drunk. But Hannah was not drunk that evening and said she was pouring out her soul before the Lord, we are told there in 15 and 16. She was anxious. She was, she was frustrated. And she was doing exactly what we should do when, when we experience anxiety, when we experience frustration. She ran to the Lord. She was asking the Lord to provide her with what she needed to handle the situation that she was currently facing. And we must do the same thing. We must run to the Lord when we are anxious. We must run to the Lord so that he, and ask him that he might provide us the strength that we need to carry on through the difficult situations of life. And what happened? Well, let's pick back up in verse 17. There Eli answered, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And so we see that, that, her, that, that, that there is a marked change in her countenance. At one time, she would not eat. She was sad. She, she hated this situation. And now, after going to the Lord, things have changed for her. She's no longer sad. She, she's, she's willing to eat now. And this is because, this is not because her situation changed, right? I mean, God didn't take Penaniah out. And God didn't get, in, get in force Penaniah to go back home so she could enjoy time there with Elkanah by herself. No, no, Penaniah was still in camp when she would walk back to camp. She was still there with, with her kids, flaunting all of the things that she has done for Elkanah. And so it's not because her external situation has changed. Instead, it's because something has changed in Hannah. God gave Hannah the strength to persevere in the situation in which she was in. He gave her the strength to continue on. And just like God gave Hannah the strength to continue on, God will give you the strength to continue on, to persevere through the difficulties as well. You see, parenting is not easy. There's going to be days, there's going to be weeks, there's going to be years, there's going to be times of difficulty all throughout your parenting. And the only way to get through those times, the only way to remain sane and joyful is to go to the Lord in prayer, is to trust in the Lord, is to find your hope in the Lord, is to ask God to strengthen you so that you might be able to make it through these times. See, the Lord is the one who allows mothers to persevere. And he is the one who strengthens moms so that they might do just that. And not only do persevering moms find their strength in the Lord, but, but we learn lastly that mothers persevere by loving the Lord. After Hannah and her family was, were done sacrificing and, and worshiping the Lord there, they, they went back home for another year. And while at home, 
we learn that in verse 20. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Now, with that, Hannah had had what she wanted all of these years. Hannah had a baby boy. But do you remember the promise that she made to God there in verse 11? Give me a son, and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And so while Hannah had what she had longed for her entire life, what she wanted so badly in life, she was faced with the day that she would have to give up her son so that he might go and work in the temple. I mean, could you imagine that? Could you imagine waiting and praying and hoping and trying for years and years and years and years to have a child only to know that you had to give them up? Could you imagine nursing him and caring for him, changing his diapers, raising him to learn how to read and, and to write, you know, seeing, seeing their first steps, disciplining them? seeing them grow and, and run into your arms and say loving things to you. Could you imagine experiencing all of that and then having to give your son away so that you might see him once a year and that's it? And this is a situation that Hannah is faced with. She has everything that she has ever longed for. What provides her with worth and validation in her society? And now she's got to give that up. She's got to turn him over to the temple to work and honor her promise that she made to the Lord. And you know, she does. She was able to honor her promise to God because she loved God. And that is the key in times of persevering. Or that is the key so that mothers might persevere in these difficult times. You must love the Lord if you're going to persevere through times of sacrifice. We can love the Lord because God first loved us. 1 John 4, 19 says exactly that. We love God because he first loved us. And the love of which God loves is a sacrificial love. In Philippians chapter 2, it's, it's all about Jesus leaving his heavenly throne room and coming to earth so that he might sacrifice himself for us. And in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus becomes a man. He lives a perfect life. He is the only person who does not deserve to die. He is the only person who does not deserve to face God's wrath, but Jesus faces God's wrath on our behalf. Why in the world would Jesus do that? Well, Jesus sacrificed everything because Jesus loves us. And so parents, so, so mothers, if you are going to sacrifice for your kids, you have to know the love of Jesus. Unless you know the love of Jesus, unless your heart has been changed, unless you understand and realize Jesus' sacrifice for you, unless that warms your heart, unless that captivates you like we've been talking about through the Gospel of John, you will not be willing to sacrifice for your children in the way that you need to sacrifice for them so that you might persevere. Our love will always be conditional. It will always bank on whether they like the meal that we ate or, or whether they're good when we go out in public so that when everybody looks at us, they see us as good parents. Our love will always be conditioned on what they do or what they are able to accomplish. But God's love of us is not conditioned on who we are. It's not conditioned on what we have done. 
It's not conditioned on how much we can accomplish for Him. His love for us is a sacrificial love, and we must have the same love for our children as He has for us. You see, parenting is a microcosm of God's love and God's interaction with us. Just as we forgive our children, just as we show mercy and grace to our children, just as we show sacrificial love to our children, God does the same to us and for us. But we must experience God's love first. We must experience the love of Jesus first, or we will not be willing to sacrifice in the way that we need to sacrifice in order to persevere in our parenting. And that's what we must do. As well as we must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our soul. And as we do that, in turn, we must then love others around us as we might love ourselves. And that's the way that we can persevere during times of sacrifice, which tells us that, that persevering mothers love the Lord. And we know that Hannah loved the Lord, not only because she gave her son, but because she did it willingly and in a spirit of worship. In verse 24, we learn that when Elkan and Hannah went to the temple to give their son to Eli, they, they took along a three-year-old bull, an epaph of flour, and a skin of wine. And when they arrived, they, they sacrificed the bull and they, they gave the flour and the wine as, as an offering as well there on the offering. And, and why, why include these details? Well, I believe that these details are included in the text so that we would know that, that, that Elkanah and Hannah in particular did not go and give their son away begrudgingly to the Lord. No, this shows a sign of worship. This shows a sign of trust in the Lord. They brought sacrifices to him so that they might worship him through those sacrifices. Hannah's heart in all of this was right and it was good. And she did it in a spirit of worship and praise to the Lord for who he is and what he has given to her. And we know this is the case because we see further evidence of this in chapter 2. In verses 1 and 2, we read there, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. There is no way a mother who begrudgingly gives up her son to the Lord could speak those words. And so we know that Hannah is in a state of worship when she comes to the Lord. We know that Hannah truly loved the Lord. And that is what allowed her to give away her son at that time so that he might work for the Lord in the temple the rest of his days. Hannah truly loved the Lord. And likewise, mothers who, who truly love the Lord will be able to do the same. They will be able to persevere through the difficulties of parenting. They will be able to sacrifice for their children. Their love will not be conditioned. And they will do all of these things as they are praising and worshiping the Lord, recognizing that His hand is in everything, recognizing that He is the all-sovereign God of this universe who is in control of it all, recognizing that every single difficulty that He puts in their steps is for them their good, for their ultimate good. It may not be for your good that day. You may be willing to, ready to pull out your hair and run out of the house screaming, but it is ultimately for your good because God is refining you. God is making you like his son through the difficulties 
of parenting. Unless we love the Lord, unless we trust the Lord, unless we hope in the Lord, we will not believe that. And we will not continue on. But mothers who love the Lord, they will persevere. And so we see that the key to persevering as a mother, as a parent, as a believer, is to put your trust in the Lord, to find your hope in the Lord, to find your strength in Jesus, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. If these things are true in your life, then you will be able to persevere through the difficulties that you find yourself in as a parent. Hannah did it, and so can you. And it's not because you are all of a sudden going to be transformed into a super mom, but it is because we serve a super God. We serve an all-sovereign, all-powerful, holy, righteous, good, and loving God who will give you what you need to get through the difficult days ahead as a mother with joy, with praise, with worship, and with love. And so moms, keep persevering in your relationship with the Lord. Even when you don't want to, run to his word and read his word. Even when you don't want to, turn to him in prayer. You might be weeping. You might be sad. You might not want to eat like Hannah because of the difficulties that you are facing. Do what Hannah did. Turn to the Lord in prayer. Pour out your heart to him. Ask him to strengthen him. The Lord is the one who provides us what we need for the days ahead. And so keep pressing on. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep training and discipling your kids. Even if you think it's doing no good, keep the faith. Keep pressing on. And that's how you can respond today as as a mother. That's how you can respond today as a believer. That's how you can respond today even if you are not a believer. If you've tuned in because because you somehow want to know about Christianity or or someone who is a Christian in your family has has invited you to watch the service alongside of them today, know that the only place that we can find hope, true joy, true satisfaction, true purpose, The only one who is going to get us through and who is going to strengthen us in these difficult days in which we find ourselves is Jesus. And Jesus has come and Jesus has died so that you might have hope, so that you might experience salvation, so that you might experience a relationship with the Lord so that these things can be true in your life. And so today, if you have not turned to Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, now is an opportunity for you to do that to repent of of your unbelief in Him, to repent of of living your own life your own way, of thinking that you've got this, and to turn to Jesus and recognize that He is all-wise, and to turn to Jesus and recognize that He is the one who has died on my behalf. He has saved me so that I might have a relationship with the Lord so that I don't have to face God's wrath, so that I don't have to, to, to be caught in the bondage of sin so that I can accomplish the purpose that God has given me in life, so that I can experience salvation. And so now is an opportunity for you to trust in the Lord, to turn to the Lord. It's true whether you are a believer or a non-believer. We must all turn and trust in the Lord on a daily basis. And so moms, this is how you might persevere, by turning to Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come to you this morning 
thankful for who you are, thankful for the fact that you are intimately involved in our lives, that you work in every aspect of our lives, Lord. We are thankful for all that that you do and for the many ways in which you strengthen us and provide us with hope. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for Jesus. And God, today we ask that you would work in the lives of mothers, that you would work in the lives of those who are listening to this message today, that you might strengthen them, that you might encourage them, that you might provide them with hope, that you might give them what they need to persevere. And Lord, even for those who may not know you, God, we ask that you would, that you would draw them to yourself, that they might be saved, that they might experience the hope of the gospel, they might experience the love of Jesus in their lives. God, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.